Welcome to another episode of Florida Today's Ion Brevard podcast. I'm Rob Landers. Joining me in the studio, as always, is my co-host, Florida Today engagement editor, Isadora Ringel. Hello, Isadora. Hello, Rob. How are you? Good, how are you? Great. So glad to be back here again uh, for another round of the podcast. Joining us today to talk about uh, various subjects in uh, Brevard and beyond is Florida Today's South Brevard reporter, Yes. Rick Neal. Yes, that's my title, yeah. It's, that's, I thought I had that right. <laughs> okay, uh, so Isadora, what, uh, what are we starting off with today? Well, let's start with the, I guess, is the biggest news of the week. Uh, over 3,000 students rallied in Tallahassee to ask for more, more gun control measures in light of the Parkland shooting. And they found a lot of support from students on the Space Coast, including in Palm Bay at Heritage High and in Titusville at... Titusville High School. Titusville High School. It was the Titusville High School, And right? this is something that's happening across the nation. Students are walking out and rallying in support of the Parkland students. And we're seeing that uh, it seems that lawmakers are paying attention to these kids. I mean, and I feel the momentum is very different than after past shootings. Um, and actually heard one lawmaker, a Republican, saying just last night that, yes, hearing these students makes a big difference. And they're actually moving toward more gun control. There is a package that they're working on, and the word on the street is that it's going to include raising the age to buy a weapon to 21. Uh, they also want to give guns to teachers, which is going to prove to be very controversial because a lot of people are against giving guns to teachers and, and leaving it up to teachers to protect schools. But we're dealing with a legislature that is very, very pro-gun and where the NRA is very active. So when you're talking about even a measured approach to gun control, I mean, that's, that's kind of a big step in this legislature. Okay, so I, here's, here's what I can say. Uh, at the, the very offset of this. So um, there's a part of me as a parent, I'm like, get your butt back in school. Don't walk out, get your butt back in school. However, this is what happens when we teach our kids to think for themselves. And thank God they are thinking for themselves because we're now approaching next April will be the 20th anniversary of Columbine. So for 20 years, we have had school shooting after school shooting after school shooting and nothing has happened to change the, the tide, nothing. No gun control, no mental health increases, no, nothing. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, that people are finally taking notice and I'm glad that students are finally taking action in their own hands and saying, enough is enough. I wanna get an education. I want to be able to live to help change the world and I can't do that in the current system. So that's great. I think arming teachers is a bad idea and every teacher that I know that has said anything about getting a weapon uh, has said that will be the last day they teach. Here's what I think we need to do instead of arming teachers with guns. Let's arm them with, you know, school supplies to actually teach kids. Um, arm them with school psychiatrists and psychologists to actually work through mental health issues with these kids. Um, arm them with, you know, arm, arm them with the things that they need to actually do their jobs rather than give them a pistol that, you know, Johnny's having a bad day, grabs the, grabs the pistol off the teacher and then holds his entire classroom hostage. I mean, that scares me the most about having guns, going ahead and authorizing guns in the classroom. Well, with this, I think this could be a generational change. And look at seatbelts, for example. Decades ago, wearing a seatbelt was something that was pie in the sky. But then as generations move on and they change, uh, there is change to, that we can see what, in the future, especially as this younger generation is pushing for change more than ever. And there's no way that you can just ignore these kids who just went through the most traumatic event in their lives. 
we've got to do something. So something is better than nothing, and nothing is what we have done for the past 19 years. Yeah, but always the devil is in the detail, and we'll see that proposal. We know President Trump is proposing to regulate and ban bump stocks, and he's also talking about uh, strengthening background checks, but we'll see. I mean, a lot of it, there's a lot of talk, but until we see the proposal on the paper, we can't really determine anything. Amen to that. All right, yeah. so let's get to uh, let's get to the real reason why Rick is here today. Um, <laughs> just to listen to you guys. Just Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> give you a break from, you know, all of that South Brevard news that you got to cover. Um, so let's let's actually talk about Central Brevard and, uh, and Cocoa Beach. So Isadora, you want to take over the, the news angle on this? Sure, and this is something I've been covering. It's very fascinating, which is there is a charter review committee or commission in, in Cocoa Beach which is looking at revisions to the charter. One of them is, and that's the most controversial change, is increasing the height limits in Cocoa Beach. Right now it's at 45 feet. There's a proposal to increase it to 70 feet. Rick, what do you know? Well, I covered the charter re review committee meeting last week. Um, the board, I believe, convened like last summer or so, and uh, after months of discussion, um, they do have a proposed ballot question. So this would potentially and most likely be going to the Cocoa Beach voters in November. Now remember back in 2002, the voters by a 69% landslide chopped Cocoa Beach's height limit from 85 feet down to 45. Now the voters had also, three previous, three previous times to that, cut the uh, uh, height limit also, but all of those were overturned in court because they faced legal challenges. But uh, in 2002, that's what that's when it was set, and that's the current limit. However, there's a, uh, a I guess a thought by many in the community that that's kind of squelched development, particularly in the downtown area um, over the past what is it, 16 years now or so. So, so what's going to happen next? Um, the charter review committee will be tweaking its language potentially on March 14th and then a formal presentation to the Cocoa Beach City Commission is scheduled for May 3rd. Now I chatted with the uh, city manager he said in all likelihood there will be a city commission workshop coming up that will probably be heavy, heavily attended you know as uh, these meetings have been in the past and then they will debate you know the ballot question and they will figure out whether to approve the concept reject it or modify it. What is the opposition to this, Rick? Why, why are people opposed to extending the, the height limit? Well, there's always been, it's kind of like alcohol on the beach. You know, uh, it's an ongoing thing. It's like residents, tourists, you know, all really converging. And that's really the, the, the main spot in Brevard where you see these issues. Um, there's a lot of people in town, a lot of longtime residents who believe, you know, that Cocoa Beach really is like overdeveloped as it is too many people, too dangerous road. I mean, the uh, State Road A1A right now is the most dangerous in Brevard County for bicyclists and pedestrians as it is. And, you know, what they, they view adding additional high-rise or large buildings, you know, the, adding more people, it uh, would just simply, uh, you know, A, wreck the, uh, further wreck the small town atmosphere and also further 
uh, stream the infrastructure. And the, the, the hotel developers, on the other hand, say we cannot make renovations because we cannot build over 45 feet. And right now, the building regulations have changed. And you have to start, um, your living space starts a lot higher than at just the ground level. So it, actually, you have less than 45 feet to build. And, and to, by today's standards, there just makes no sense to renovate a hotel um, with these uh, restrictions. So they're saying if we can build better hotels, we'll attract better tourists. Therefore, we'll bring more money and, and people who are not going to destroy Cocoa Beach, which is, a, which is a constant complaint. Well, and you're also, I mean, by going going higher, you're maximizing the, the tax base on that square footage of property that you're you're on. So, I mean, if you're, you're stacking condo on condo on condo on condo up eight stories, then you're taxing each one of those as you go up as opposed to only three floors. Yeah. So um, when you have more people, then you know you can actually add more to your infrastructure and add more to your police force. And, and, and the, key, the key hotel property would be International Palms. Um, the city manager had mentioned that there have been at least some talks about potentially 70-foot building heights there. Um, you know, that's International Palms that is the largest redevelopment hotel site Probably in Brevard County, I would imagine. So, so that you know, the future of that property may hinge on this uh, upcoming vote. So let Rick know how you feel about this. Rick, what is your email? My email address. It's an odd spelling. R M is in Nancy. E A L E at FloridaToday.com. And you can also uh, you can also find Rick on Twitter at rneil1. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Facebook as well. There you go. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Well, you're welcome. Okay, so uh, Isadora, let's move on to our final uh, final topic today, and that's the the constant. What is this? The constitutional the Constitution Revision Commission. Thank it's, you. You know, it sounds boring, and most people probably haven't heard about it. But folks, this is very important. And I'll tell you why. Every 20 years, this group, it's not the same group, different people, obviously, need to make revisions to the Florida Constitution. That is very important. These are things that can affect your daily life. So on Monday, they met in Melbourne, and um, that's something they're doing. They're going on a tour across the state, and they heard a lot of input from the public. Over 200 people signed up to speak. Many were asking for a ban on assault weapons, which is not a current proposal and likely won't be one because, um, as you know, it's going to be very hard to get our commissioners to support it. But there are several proposals that are still active among the 37 that are active that are very important. So I'm going to going to go over a few of them. One of the most popular one is banning, banning Greyhound racing in the state of Florida. Phasing it out. Or phasing it out, which in the end would be a ban. Uh, as you know, there have been horrific stories of dogs that are given cocaine, that they're confined in small cages, and very inhumane treatment of these dogs. Uh, so that's something that is on the ballot. That's, and that's, that's according to the, the Greyhound rescue, rescue people. Now, exactly. the Greyhound racing people are completely denying those allegations. Of course yes. they would. Um, you know, completely denying that, that there's any wrongdoing to these animals. Um, I, I kind of think that greyhound racing in Florida has has kind of seen its its day. It's you know its heyday was in the 80s, and I, I think it might be time to and to uh, sunset that. And I believe 40 other states ban greyhound racing, so Florida is not alone. But so one of the proposals that I really like, and this is something that for years has really bothered me, is a proposal to have open primaries. As you know, in the state of Florida, if you yes. have a write-in candidate, basically 
the primaries are closed, and in places like Brevard, where the where the, the election is basically decided in the Republican primary, people who are now registered Republicans are not allowed to vote. This proposal would mean that if you don't have an opponent from the other party, then everyone is allowed to vote in the primary. I think that's great for democracy. It's making sure that the most radical candidates don't get elected and you're actually electing people who represent a broad range of the constituency. And I really hope that Florida voters will pass this if it gets on the ballot in November. Right. Right. So the other proposal that was very controversial was a proposal to repeal uh, this provision in the Constitution that bans uh, state, do state dollars from funding religious entities. Uh, and behind that is a push to uh, create more school vouchers for kids to attend private schools. And a lot of times these private schools are religious schools. Uh, and then that ban has been used by critics and opponents and when they challenge the school vouchers in court. So that's something that a lot of people were really upset about in during that meeting on Monday because, you know, the state shouldn't be funding religious institutions and, you know, why should I fund a religious institution that I disagree with? That's their argument. So that's going to be, that's I if it gets on the ballot, I'm really looking forward to see what happens to it. So make sure you go online, look up all these 37 proposals and I will be writing about it as soon as I'm able to. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to join us every Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, whichever you prefer, or anytime really. Uh, you can uh, listen to the podcast right there on iTunes, Google Play Music, and on the SoundCloud app. You can also watch our weekly show on WEFS, on FloridaToday.com, and now on the Florida Today YouTube channel. <laughs>